podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to episode seven of Talking Smart with Pure McCart. That is young Joe Pugh over there with the hair, looking smart as always. Joe, how's things? Not too bad, mate. Literally just got in about 10, 15 minutes ago from Sheffield. I must admit, I missed my first train this morning. <laughs> so, uh, got the second one, but we just got back in. I understand you drove straight from Manchester all the way up to Scotland last night, mate. Yeah, I got in about half past four this morning. Um, straight after the show, just jumped in the car. I thought, you know what, I need to, I'll get home, see my, my daughters and whatnot, get up with them, have a coffee and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I'm tired this morning, this afternoon, but you know me, I'll, I'll get the job done, as always. So, yeah, well, I was at a show last night. I was at uh, Franchon Cruz de Zern versus uh, Savannah Marshall, and you were at you were in Sheffield for the British title fight with uh, Dalton Smith and Sam Maxwell. I managed to catch a couple of highlights of, of the fight, but I'll let you break down the card, Joe, and then both of us will discuss uh, Smith and Maxwell. So the floor is yours. Yeah, listen, I think it was a card that exceeded expectations. The fights were actually really entertaining, really competitive, and it done a lot in developing a lot of promising careers. Uh, I'll probably start off with Janae Bostan, mm-hmm. who I think a lot of people have touted him as one of Eddie Earn and Matchroom's best British prospects. And I was speaking to him after the fight. He was really frustrated and a bit, a bit deflated with his performance, but I think everyone was really, really impressed. I think he was really hard on himself. It was the first time that he went the full eight rounds mm-hmm. against an undefeated area champion in Amos. And he outclassed him in kind of every way. I think maybe he took a round off in the sixth or seventh and maybe might have lost that. But apart from that, comfortably won every round. And probably from rounds one to three, it was actually beautiful to watch. A fantastic boxer and a serious, serious talent. Mm-hmm. I think you've also got Hopi Price, who managed to kind of slowly but surely break down James Beach Jr., who's just been in there for the British title against Nathaniel Collins, been in there with some great, great fighters, Brad Foster. Um, and the corner had to pull James Beach out. Hopi Price, that was his first fight at that weight division, moving up and speaking to Dave Caldwell throughout the weekend after the fight. He wants one more fight and then the back end of the year, pushing into early 2024. He wants that British title, whether that's still Nathaniel Collins or whether he he vacates or we'll see what's going to happen there. And I think the show, apart from Dalton Smith, which we'll both come on to in a minute, mm-hmm. I think the show belonged to Pat McCormack. Mm-hmm. Pat McCormack put on an absolutely demolition performance against a really, really tough Dixon. It looked like he could have had him out in the first round, but if there was an extra 10, 20 seconds, he probably would have had. But he got a little bit too excited, got back to the corner, spoke with Ben, done a fantastic job. And fourth round, it was it was a fantastic fourth round. I'm so excited to see Pat and what happens in his career. But the main event, Dalton Smith, his third defence of the British title. Not many people hold that British title for three title defences anymore. A lot of people want to vacate, move up to European, move up to kind of world eliminators, international titles, get on those rankings. But Dalton Smith has done it the traditional way against Sam Maxwell, who's been there. He has been the Dalton Smith. He's been the prospect coming through. And he 
and it was a it was a fantastic fight on paper, and it really didn't fail to disappoint. Uh, the the clash of heads with the with the cuts above Dalton Smith side really made it interesting. And Andrew, you've probably seen it that knockout. That was something special, wasn't it? Yeah, it was something special. I mean, the 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 sharp one too from from Dalton, and the kid can bang. I mean. Going into this fight, a lot of people were probably looking at his last two performances against Casey Benjamin, uh, Casey Benjamin and uh, Arlington, and probably thinking that Sam Maxwell, with his experience and his amateur background, and he he might be he, he could nick this fight. But I think with Dalton, I think the better the opponent you put in with him, it's that old saying: the better the opponent, the better that that fight will become. And I think that, that that's true with 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 Dalton. I've been a fan of Dalton since uh, I watched his debut. I was lucky enough to be at his debut. And I've followed his career ever since. We actually became good friends. So, and I'm very good friends with Sam Maxwell as well. But for Dalton, I just think that he he's something special, especially in that 140 pound division. Um, I think it's probably time to step up outside of the UK now. Take you've defended the British three times with a spectacular knockout against somebody with like Sam Maxwell, who's an absolutely phenomenal fighter in his own right. Um, so I would like to see him probably step on now into that. European fringe world level. I'm sure there's a 140 pounder out there somewhere who's fought for a world title or maybe an aging ex world champion, just so he can get his feelings for that world level. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Dalton Smith. I'm gutted for Sam Maxwell at the same time because, like I say, I, I, he used to train up in Scotland, Sam, so we became good friends. Um, but listen, Sam's held that British title. He, he he can't hold. He, listen, he's done it. He's, he's, his amateur career. He's got <clears throat> Commonwealth Games medals as well in the amateurs. So got it for Sam. Um, I heard last night that that's him retired. Uh, so if it is, man, Sam, hold your head up, mate. You've done an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, fantastic servant for British boxing, amateur and pro. So well done to you, and well done to Dalton Smith, a young fighter we can all get excited about. Uh, and I'm. Absolutely excited. I just want to touch on Janaid and Pat McCormack and Hopi. Mm. I mean, them young three guys with Ben Whitaker last night and a young guy called Callum Simpson who fought in, my, uh, in Manchester. Them five fighters there. I'd never fought, seen Callum Simpson fight before. A super middleweight. Uh, fought my mate Boris Crichton. And I, I really I really like him. I like his style. I like the way he approaches the game. Um, I like the way he fights. Ben Whitaker, he's he's got that that showmanship like Naz, and he can pack a punch as well. And you mentioned Pat McCormick, Hopi, and Janaid. I think the young crop coming through, these guys that are what four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and all, uh, we can get excited. I think there's a new batch of fighters coming through, and I'm I'm looking forward to them to it. Yes, yeah, certainly, and I think. You obviously had the batch coming out of the Olympics. Last night, we saw McCormack and Whitaker on two separate shows. And it's going to be really interesting to see who stands out. And it's a really varied crop. And they're going to, they're, we've all seen them go very different ways because you've got the likes of Fraser Clark, who's older. And then you've got Yafai, who's been fast tracked. And you've got the females. So everyone's gone their own path, but we'll see who finds success. I just want to quickly mention uh, Nico Livyars as well. He mm. has had some terrible, terrible luck with cuts, illness. I was in Nottingham where he had to pull out for illness and he was in a really bad way. And it, it was emotional for him last night because he's a fantastic prospect. Also under the tutelage of Grant Smith, who's mm-hmm. really laying claim to be one of the best trainers in the UK right now after last night with what he done with Nico, Junaid and Dalton going along with what he'd done with Sonny a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely fantastic from that, Jim. Um, 
But yeah, he he looked really sharp. He looked really, really good against another undefeated guy. He's not afraid to be moved up. He just wants to get active. But the future is looking bright for British boxing. And I, I was speaking to Dave Caldwell throughout the week, and I think he's got it spot on. It's important not to rush these guys because you look, that they're all young. They've all got so much time to develop because it's a, it's a different game, the amateurs and the pros. And let them develop, let them let them harness their skills, let them become the stars that they can be. Because if it, everything goes the right way, we could produce a massive crop of big world stars of boxing, mate, in the next, in the next three to five years. Definitely. And like I said to you, on, in Manchester, uh, first time I saw Ben Whitaker live, first time I'd, I've met Ben Whitaker, and off the camera, he's such a nice guy. Really, really nice guy. I know people, a lot of fans won't take to him because of the way he acts in the ring with the dancing and the showmanship. And a lot of people might tune in to just to see him get knocked out. But that's what puts bums on seats. That's why the fans pay to watch him. Floyd Mayweather marketed that, like we spoke about a few times, maybe last week it was, that he marketed that. People don't come to watch him win. They come to watch him get beat. Um, but Ben was a fantastic, fantastic fighter, man. He, he, when he really wants to up that gear, when he starts putting it into fourth and fifth gear and he starts going for it, you can see he's got it. He's got that dog in him, which is, which is good. And like I said, the super middleweight division with Cam Simpson, um, probably relatively unknown, but he's signed with Sky now. Uh, one to watch out for if you've not seen him fight. Um, and then obviously we've got Mark Jeffers who beat Zach Chilly last night as well. So that was a, a, what would you say, an upset? Maybe it was an upset because Zach Chilly always finds a way to win and that Mark Jeffers from Manchester gave him his first loss. So fair play to him. And then Natasha Jonas, She's a two-weight world champion uh, with, uh, with a, I think it was an eight-round uh, stoppage win over Candy Wyatt. Now, Natasha, she was a super featherweight. She was a lightweight. Then she won a what? She won three titles up at super welterweight, came back down to welterweight to win another world title. Normally, when you become a two-weight world champion, you go up in weights. Do you know what I mean? You go from yeah. a lightweight, uh, light welter, welter, but Natasha's went up, and now she's starting to come down again. So, I'm so happy for Tasha. She, she's fantastic. And um, she was, I think there's even, she was mentioning even going down again to fight like a Katie Taylor or Chantel Cameron uh, for them belts. So, I mean, I don't want to say Natasha's age, but she said herself to me in an interview that um, she's coming to the end of her career and she would like, she, she just wants nothing but big fights now. There's nothing but big fights for Natasha. And if she, she, she's done well and uh, I'm happy for her. But the main event, uh, the main event was Francois Cruz de Zone against Savannah Marshall. Um, you know what? It was, it, I would say it was a majority decision. I, I probably thought that I, I, I probably gave Savannah the fight. I, I, I would give uh, probably three rounds in it, but it was, it was one of them fights, Joe. I don't know if you saw it, but it was just, it was hard for any fighter to get, get going, if that makes sense, because Francois that come forward, head down, throwing wide shots. And, you know, Savannah's tries to get a jab off. So it was quite an untidy fight, but I think the cleaner shots, the body work as well from Savannah Marshall. She was going, she was one, two left hook to the body was a lot neater. I think she busted Franchon's nose. Um, so I think Savannah was the clear winner in that fight. And obviously Clarissa Shields was ringside and they, they had a little back and forth and the rematch. And you know what? I think with women's boxing, especially in and around that 160, 168 division and probably every other division, even though the talent, there's talent there, it's not a deep pool of talent. There's not many the many girls in and around these weights for them to, to fight this person and that person. So I think 
the, the only logical fight for Savannah and Clarissa is the rematch. And whether that takes place, I know Clarissa says she wants it in Detroit. Savannah wants it here again. I mean, money talks. So wherever the money lies, I'm sure that fight will happen wherever the, the most money can be generated. But yeah, great fight last night. Great card to be uh, to, to, to witness. And like I say, the fighters that we spoke about coming through for British boxing, man, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, just on that, Paul, I think that there isn't really anywhere else for Caressa to go kind of commercially and financially other than that Savannah Marshall fight because they can probably build it as the rubber match because Savannah obviously beat her in the amateurs and that's what the first fight was built on, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think anywhere from between 130, maybe 135 to 147, I think they're blessed because there is a slightly deeper pool. So the, mm-hmm. the likes of Katie Taylor, McCaskill, Cameron, they can all fight each other and and it, it becomes entertaining. But at the minute, we haven't got that in the 160, the 168 division. So that will come with time. But at the minute, I think the next logical move is for that Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields rematch. It was good for Savannah to get back to winning ways. And it's not just a run out. It's a, it, it's a massive world title fight for her. And that will give her a tremendous amount of confidence. And she will look to avenge that defeat that happened last year at the O2 against Clarissa Shields. I think so. I think she's she said herself as well that she's more comfortable at 160. That 160 limit was a little bit too much, uh, she said. So I, she, in her own words, she said she's better at 160. And I, she thinks that this is, if Clarissa was to fight at 168, that this is where she'll feel more comfortable at. Um, and you can see it. She didn't look that bad. She didn't look bad on the scale. She looked strong on the scale. She looked strong last night against uh, Franchon Cruz de Son, who is that come forward, rugged fighter. And even though she was trying to sort of bully Savannah, she never got to bully Savannah. Savannah stood her ground. And you know what I mean? And like I said to you, the body work I thought was phenomenal from Savannah. This kept on that left hook to the body, rolling away. Um, and as you know, you chop the tree and the, the, the head will fall. Do you know what I mean? She was kept on digging it in the body, digging it in the body, and then in the later rounds, she was landing the right hand down the pipe, um, a straight right hand. So it was it was a good fight, and like you said, the Clarissa Shields rematch is the most, probably, more, the like you said, commercially biggest female fight going right now, other than maybe you can argue the Katie Taylor Chantel Cameron rematch. Um, so it, it, it's... Is is there Savannah Marshall? She she's undisputed now. She's back being a world champion. So she, the negotiation tools are there. Once you get these world title belts, man, they're all little, little pieces of the puzzle that every fighter wants. Yeah. And if you're holding them, then they've got to come to you. So yeah, ah oh, man, I'm listen. Like we, we spoke about since we started this podcast, Joe, boxing this year has been fantastic. You know what I mean? Liam Smith was there last night. He was talking about Chris Eubank rematch in September, and that's looking good. So. Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, boxing, boxing's good. British boxing's good. World boxing's good. So July, we're into July now. We've got a big fight end of the month. Um, I don't know if you know, Joe, it's uh, Spence and Crawford end of the month. So uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm buzzing. Yeah, those two little known uh, welterweights going at it the end of the month. But yeah, it should be the start of a, a really good month, especially stateside. But just going back to... Dalton Smith last night and what you said about Sam Maxwell, just uh, if that is the end for him, I didn't know that, um, I haven't seen that, but if that is the end for him, obviously one of the nicest guys in boxing, yeah. I'm sure you'll agree, you know him, I just chatting to him throughout the week, just an absolutely phenomenal guy and it was quite worrying 
straight after that knockout. It took him a while to get up, and mm. uh, you never like to see that. And I think it was testament to Dalton Smith because he, I think he went up to Eddie Earn and said, like, that 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 is that that is dangerous. Like he want he was emotional about that, and Eddie said, look, that is the fight game. So two really great guys, and he, I think that shows that shows the gentleman side of the sport. That shows the good side of it, where everyone gets wrapped up in kind of politics. He said, she said, back and forth. And we love it because it's entertainment. It is the entertainment business. But at the end of the day, it's a fight game. It's a serious sport. Mm. And it, at times it can be worrying. But thankfully, two gentlemen going out last night, give each other a big, big hug at the end. And uh, the better man won. But I know you want to speak about the heavyweights. Mm. And it's not mm. the big Heavyweight nope. names. It, it's probably a heavyweight name for the future. Yep. In a yep. big yep. step up last night. Jared Anderson, he's on the tip of a lot of kind of industry experts' tongue and has been for the past kind of 18 months, two years now, as a heavyweight to watch out for. He stepped up in quality as in with a former world champion in Charles Martin. Charles Martin that's been in there with top, top heavyweights, mm -hmm. a really good measuring stick former for him. World champion as well. And yeah, former world champion IBF. Um, what did you make of his performance last night in this step up? You know what? It was a step up. Um, and I was sort of like half thinking to myself when Charles Martin came in last minute, like what, what Charles Martin's going to show up? Because um, for lack of a better, better word, you could probably say that Charles Martin may be lazy and he, he, he might not approach the fight like he wants to win and, and 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 whatnot, but he did last night, and he 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 put it on Jared Anderson in that fifth round. He got dropped in the third, I think it was, and then he he, he came back, and in the fifth round, he really really rocked um, Jared Anderson. So we know that Jared Anderson hasn't had his chin checked. Now he has. He came through it, um, and at the end, the the, the last round, the tenth round as well. Uh, Charles Martin let him know with the last 10 seconds to go that it's still a fight even though Jared Anderson was on the front foot so you know what I was impressed with Charles Martin last night and I was impressed with Jared Anderson I've been a, a fan of Jared, Jared Anderson for a long time because heavyweight boxing is boxing and we need these young heavyweights to come through um, we've got the young guys like Daniel Dubois and uh, Jared Anderson we've got Matty Harris in the UK as well who's 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 doing well he's Many people don't even talk about Matty Harris, but I've been at probably three or four of his fights, and he's a phenomenal young man. But out in America, I think when you're talking about heavyweight boxing, you need that American heavyweight. You need that American heavyweight. And whether we like it or not, it's always been sort of the Mike Tysons, the Muhammad Ali's, the Joe Lewis's, um, all these guys that come through, even the Deontay Wilders. And then now you need that next guy coming through. And I think that is... Jared Anderson, even though when you look at it, that Joshua got a Charles Martin who's probably a little bit more on his game, and Joshua got him out there in what two, three rounds was it? Yeah, I think it was two rounds, yeah. Two rounds, and then Jared Anderson went the distance with him, only dropping him. And yeah, but that, that's neither here nor there. I think Styles make fights, and I think Jared Anderson is an exciting prospect that we can all get excited about, especially in a division where the top four guys that we always talk about and we're probably sick of, sick of talking about, they're in the mid 30s to late 30s now. So, what we've got two, three fights out of them. So, we need this young batch coming through. And I think Jared Anderson is one of them fighters that's going to come through and pick up that mantle when they're all retired. 
What's your thoughts yeah, on it? Oh, I agree. I think there is a very interesting crop, and it would be great to see what Daniel Dubois does against Alexander Usyk because even if he does lose that fight, we know he is the big underdog. He's he'll gain a lot of experience from that fight, and he will come again because he's that young. Uh, Jared Anderson, really excited to see where where he'll go from now. It, it, I think it's hard to put him in to to kind of see what opponent is next to him mm. because you've got your Charles Martin who's been there and then you've got to bridge that gap. You've got to bridge that gap between Charles Martin and a top 15 guy, mm. a top 10, 15 guy, which is hard. So it'll be very interesting to see who he's matched against. Um, there is no need to chuck him in with one of the big names yet because he's young. It's still a lot of time. Um, but I think when you're when you see the way the heavyweight division's going, it looks like Tyson Fury's fighting and Garnu, which uh, which we might have to touch on. I want to get your opinion on that, Andrew. But it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see the the growth and development of all these young heavyweights. And yeah, Jared Anderson certainly one to watch out for. Well, I'll touch on it. Like I, the only fight I want to see Tyson. Well, there's two fights I want to see Tyson. Tyson Fury and and it's only two fights I want to see Tyson Fury and is Usyk or Joshua. Um, does that mean I won't tune into watching Ganu? Yeah, I'll tune into watch the Ganu fight. Man, it's Tyson Fury, it's Ganu, um, and Ganu's got that. Uh, I mean, even though he's a UFC fighter, he started off as a boxer, believe it or not, and then he, he became into the martial arts. But like I like like with Francine fight against Savannah Marshall, she's very unorthodox, and Savannah can't get going now. Ngannou approaching this Tyson Fury fight, if it is going to happen, he's that unorthodox fighter just swinging big haymakers, and sometimes it's hard to defend because when a fighter when a, when a fighter doesn't know what he's doing, it makes you hard to know what he's doing. So if Ngannou doesn't know what he's doing when he's just throwing shot after shot after shot, it's yeah. going to confuse Tyson Fury, and he's not going to know what to do. So it's going to be hard to counter him when he's just throwing lefts and rights, and his feet are crossing over, and he's closing the distance by walking forward. And you know what? It's uh, I'll tune in. I'll tune in if it's MMA gloves in a cage, but boxing rules. I mean, I'll tune in for that. If you're gonna, if you're gonna fight, if you're gonna do this crossover stuff, make it a crossover thing. Put the smaller gloves on, um, put it in a cage, boxing rules, um, Queensberry rules. If you're gonna do it, do it like that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's make it 50-50. Make try and make it so it's even in some sense. Do you know what I mean? Tyson Fury is not used to the small gloves and Ganu is used to getting hit with these small gloves. The little four-ounce MMA gloves. If you're going to do it, do it like that. Why not? Eddie Hearn said to me yesterday that he believes it's going to be an exhibition. Mm. So I think we're probably going to rule out a WBC defence against Francis Ngannou, which would have been absolutely madness. I would have loved to have seen uh, the backlash that Maurizio Sullivan got if that was the case. Imagine but, Ngannou uh, won. Imagine Ngannou. Imagine. Francis Ngannou, the WBC champion on his professional boxing debut. Unbelievable. Oh, um, but I, do, I think everyone will watch it. Absolutely everyone will watch it. I, I I'm not a UFC fan. I know very, very, very little about UFC, and I know even kind of fewer UFC fighters. But, yeah, I know Francis Ngannou. I think he has got that crossover appeal. I know he's a powerful guy. Mm -hmm. And Tyson Fury is arguably number one heavyweight 
in the world. So it certainly sells. It certainly sells. And it'll be very, very interesting to see that what the rules are, what the rules are, what the stakes are. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be a lot, a lot of uh, money involved in it. And Saudi Arabia, once again, pulling off these massive, massive nights. Uh, we know their intentions with the heavyweight division, but we've seen with the likes of Jake Paul and Tommy Fury that they're not afraid to go into other realms mm. because it, because obviously that that was that crossover appeal. And I think at the end of the day, the, the reason Saudi Arabia is invested a lot of, lot of funds into boxing we're now seeing it into football. It's because it's the, they want to promote their country. So mm. putting on an event of this magnitude that's going to get as much eyes onto that is certainly promoting Saudi Arabia. And that's why I think we'll see it happen. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm I'm one of them guys that I've got my tinfoil hat on. Maybe the WC haven't mandated anyone for Tyson Fury. He's fighting in Ghana, maybe an exhibition. Um, Joshua and White hasn't been... I don't know what's happening with that. I don't know what Eddie said all throughout the week with that rematch clause being taken out and will it happen? I mean, 12th of August is what, six weeks away, whatever it may be. Um, Deontay Wilder doesn't look like he's fighting. So it looks like they're trying to, every single, these top four guys are trying to get a fight in that isn't too difficult, if that makes sense. So this December thing can happen because can, can you imagine one of them guys loses in, in August and then it just puts a sparring in the works for Saudi out in December. Um, but like I said, I'll probably I will tune into the Encanu fight. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Encanu's yeah. an orthodox; he can crack. But I only want to see Tyson in two fights, and I want to see Tyson uh, in with Usyk, and I want to see him in with Joshua. Um, so, uh, man, it's, will I get excited about it? Probably not. Will I tune in? Yeah, I'll tune in. Do you know what I mean? I'll definitely tune in, man, because it's big Tyson Fury. Um, but it is, yeah. But listen, Joe, before we we, we wrap this up, we will be rem- stupid not to talk about Jamel Charlo facing Canelo yes. and not Jamal, because that, that, that did cross my mind when we were talking there. Um, your thoughts on that? Probably one we didn't see and Jamel stepping up two, three, well, middleweight, super middleweight stepping up a couple of weight classes to face him. So your thoughts on that? Did it surprise you? Yeah, I'm massively shocked about Jamel Charlo. I was out and... Somebody said it. I can't believe. I, I can't remember who it was when the news broke, and I, I kept correcting them, saying, "Oh, Jamal Charlo." And then uh, they was going, "No, no, no. It's actually Jamal Charlo." I, thought, I was very, very shocked, and it makes it very interesting. At first, I was like a little, a little bemused by it, but now I kind of got my head around it, and yeah, it's. Kind of undisputed versus undisputed. It's going to be really, really good. It's going to be really interesting. And we was talking about last week, those three fights, wondering who they would be. And now it looks like if Canelo were to beat Charlo, it could be Charlo, Charlo, Benavides or Charlo, Benavides, Charlo. There's three clear opponents there. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing Canelo, he'll want to kind of beat both the brothers. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of made sense now. But what did you think about it, Adrian, when you first heard that it was the smaller of the two brothers? I was, I was, you know what, I was sort of like half, I thought like, Canelo's, like I said to you last week, Canelo's at that business stage of his career now where he's, you're going to pick the opponents that are good and then he's going to obviously, like a sort of flame, flame Mayweather uh, blueprint. 
And Jamel Charlo is the small of the two. He's a super welterweight, but he's still big. I've seen him out in Vegas, Jamel. He's still a big man. He's probably taller than Canelo. He is taller than Canelo, in fact. Um, so, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I don't think it's a, it's a, da- it's a dangerous fight for him. But I'm not saying it's going to be a walkover for Canelo because Jamel Charlo is a decent fighter. He, he, he can crack as well, and he will probably fill into that one. It's that one sixty five catch weight, isn't it? So, um. It's just under the super middleweight, just above middleweight. Yeah. So Jamel probably walks into the ring at 168, 170 from that 154 cut. So he is big. Do you know what I mean? So, and he has had a loss in his record. He, he drew against uh, Castano as well. So Canelo's probably looking at this fight thinking, I, I, I can maybe get a stoppage in this one. Do you know what I mean? Because the, of Jamel Charlo is probably. Like I say, he's a smaller, he's got a loss on his record. He drew against Castano, which he probably should have lost against Castano in the in the, in the first fight. Um, but like I said, Jamal Charlo has had that two-year layoff. He said himself that with the personal problems and the layoff, he probably couldn't get ready for this fight, um, which is understandable because if, you want, if you're going into a Canelo fight, you want to be fighting fit, you want to be ready, you want to be mentally fit, you want to be strong in all aspects of the game and um, because Canelo is the cash cow. You beat Canelo, that just... Look, look at Bivol. Bivol was now, what, probably unheard of before he fought... And, and, and casual boxing fans, yeah. unheard of. But now maybe casual, more casual fans know about, know all about Bivol now because he, he beat Canelo. People have really set up and going, who the heck is Bivol? Do you know what I mean? So you beat Canelo, then your stock is just rising. So Jamal Charlo is probably thinking, I'm not ready for this just yet. If my opportunity comes September next year, give me a couple of fights and I'll fight him September next year, then I'll, I'll wait. I'll happily wait because I need to be, and I think every fighter needs to be 100% ready for somebody like uh, like Canelo. But even saying that, Jamal Charlo, what he hasn't fought for a, a year and a half. So he's had a long mm-hmm. off as well because I think his last win was that KO against Castano back in May 22. So it'll be, what, yeah, a year and a half. The time he steps through the ropes with Canelo, it'll be a year and a half for him since he's been in the ring. So I think Canelo's got... Um, it's looking good for Canelo in this fight because I think uh, I'll put Canelo favourite. I will, I will. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy fight for Canelo, but I will say Canelo is favourite in this one. Yeah, well, he's got the size advantage, but I'm very intrigued to see Canelo coming down the weight mm. because he went up as far as 175 last year where when he hit, lost to Bivol. People forget before that he was talking about fighting McCarvin at Cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. So if he's got his mind on that level of weight to cut back down to 165, he hasn't gone below the super middleweight limit in a number of years now. Will that be difficult for him? Nah, that I don't know. No, nah, I don't think so. Nah, Canelo's not big, man. Canelo's my size, man. That three pounds at one sixty eight. Canelo, I'll I'll be hard pushed if Canelo even does a hard cut. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't think them then the three pounds for Canelo will be will be tough for him. And he, like I said, he's he's five eight, five nine. Do you know what I mean? And he's not, he's, even though he's got a big frame and he has filled out super middleweight, he probably still has a little bit, he, 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 he probably still could make middleweight, uh, to be honest with you. If, if he wanted to do a cut, if he really wanted to do a, like a cut and dry himself out the night before, um, the morning of the fight, dry himself out, and he's got on the scales and then look a little bit dry, I think them three pounds would be easy for Canelo. I don't I honestly don't think it'll be, it'll be a problem for him. But 
Um, because he, like I say, he, he's not he's not tall. He's 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 not he's not got massive legs. Do you know what I mean? So he has. I think he can fight at middleweight if he really really wanted to. If he wanted to, middleweight would be no problem to him. Because like I say, I know a, a fighter, a, a Scottish fighter, a friend of mine used to say, if you ain't if you ain't killing yourself to make weight, you're fighting in the wrong weight. Do you know what I mean? And Canelo's definitely not killing himself to make that one sixty eight pound limit. Fair enough, mate. That's something you know much more than me about having done it yourself. Mm. But I, I, I do think that it, it poses a very different threat, Jamal to Jamal. Mm. And once I got over the initial shock and kind of actually thought about it, it's a fight that I'm actually quite excited about. It's something different. It's something kind of left field. And I like that. As long as it's not kind of an unknown guy, an email champion that he's just picking mm. up the belt from, I'm fine with that. And I look forward to seeing it. And hopefully it's the start of a big free fight for Canelo. Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Like I say, we keep touching on it. We keep saying it every week, Joe. Boxing is booming right now. We're, we're lucky as boxing fans in 2023. So hopefully 2024... We've still got. I'm wishing for 20. We've still got a, a half a year to go. So there's still half a year to go in in 2023, and I think uh, big fights have yet to be announced. Because, like I say, we still have September, October, November, December to come in terms of announcements. So listen, Joe. Always a pleasure, young man. Love speaking with right. you. Love my Sunday speaking to the the Pugmeister himself. Um, enjoy your Sunday. And you I'm going on holiday on Wednesday, so I'll probably have to do this uh, on the beach next week if that's all right with you. Mate, I'll be jealous. I'll be jealous, and I, I, I'm on holiday the week after. Right. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So you'll get my holiday. You'll get my holiday blues after that. Right. Perfect. So, uh, no worries. Yeah. No worries at all. Guys, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. And I'll see you soon. Thank you very much, and we'll speak to you all next week. Talk Spark with Pew and McCart. Sports Social Podcast Network.